On this episode of AV Week, we talk about security and the revelation that uh, one of AMX's products may very well have a backdoor. I also talk about what we can learn from smart buildings and getting into legal AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper. This is AV Week, episode 230, recorded Friday, January 22nd, 2016. Backdoor, man. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to talk about all the news and information, first and foremost, Miss AV Dawn, Dawn Mead from NetAV. Hello, ma'am. Hello. Also with us is Melissa Dillman from Kramer Electronics. How are you? Good. How are you today? Well, very well, very well. Uh, and the left side of my brain and my bunking buddy for ISC, Mr. George <laughs> Tucker. I sleep on the left side. <laughs> Dang it! You got the left side last year. I know. What's shaking? You you looking very you blankets. That's you're looking very say. New Yorkerish to me. You've got the the scarf and everything. Yeah. You and Don are getting ready for Snowmageddon 2016. That's no, right. it's also I work in a very large warehouse and it's a little chilly. Oh, right okay, now. yeah. Hey, what about us down here in the south? You live in Atlanta. We are getting the storm first. It hits today at You're getting a quarter of an inch, and it will shut the entire city down. I know how yes. Atlanta is. Don't even. <laughs> yes, it will. All right. Yes, Don. Go ahead. We're getting three feet. Yeah. 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 That's Snowmageddon. That's Snowmageddon. Well, it's snow that, a quarter of an inch of Snowmageddon is, corner, is, is Snowmageddon to, to Atlanta, too. Let's be fair. Well, it's like Flakemageddon or yeah. something, isn't it? Like <laughs> All right, let, let's kick this off. It's not very often that we get this holy crap <laughs> ginormous story in AV, and we have one this week. Um, uh, AMX. All right. So this story uh, first appeared on Irish Technica, so that's the one I'm going to use. Um, AMX, according to them and according to the security uh, consulting firm SEC Consult, uh, said they discovered a backdoor after analyzing the AMX NX1200, the, the AMX NX1200. Uh, it's a Netlinks product. Okay, and and short version of this story, basically, uh, SEC Consult found a couple of different backdoors that. Uh, first of all, the, the, the backdoor login and, and, and uh, was not made available if you tried to, to search for all of the um, available logins. Uh, it would not show up on that list, so it was a hidden backdoor. It was a hidden username. Um, and they're making, Ars Technica is making hay, CNN Money is making hay, uh, because AMX has a large presence in, in government. Department of Justice, Department of Defense, the White House, actually the the, the war room down in in the White House uh, has an AMX uh, processor and AMX touch panel in it. Uh, the the story on on uh, on CNN Money says uh, the title is "Hackers Could Secretly Tap into Corporate Meetings," and the picture I'll bring it up here for those of you watching on video. 
the picture is actually uh, a picture of uh, the president, uh, President Obama, uh, sitting along with Joe Biden and a bunch of others. And it's grayed out except for the nice red circle over the AMX touch panel. So let's just say this wasn't a great PR week for AMX. <laughs> um, we've got friends at AMX. We've, we've known them for a long time. Great folks. Great group of folks down in, in Texas. Uh, last year they were purchased by Harmon. Uh, for those of you who keep, who keep track of this sort of things, uh, Harmon is only down $2 uh, on trading. So it's not exactly like it's, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world and everybody's selling off Harmon stock. So doing what we do and, and trying to be as responsible as, you know, as we can, uh, we reached out to AMX, uh, reached out to, to Harmon. Uh, and this is what we got um, from uh, Sean Robinson, uh, who is, uh, who's, who's taken over for Joe Andrulis there uh, at AMX. Um, Sean is uh, now the director and CEG of Solutions and Marketing. Uh, this is their official uh, media statement, I guess, is, is, is what they've given us here. Uh, in addition to that, they also provided us with the letter that they sent out to integrators, uh, which we'll make available as well. Uh, but this is their their statement, um, quote unquote. Let me make sure I get this right. Uh, first, we want to clarify um, uh, the risks and terms being discussed. Black Widow was an internal name for a legacy diagnostic and maintenance login for customer support of technical issues commonly used in legacy systems. It was not a quote-unquote hidden as suggested, nor did it provide access to customer information. While such a login is useful for diagnostics and maintenance, during our routine security review in the summer of 2015, we determined that it would be prudent to eliminate this feature as part of a comprehensive software update. We informed our customers and the update was deployed in December 2015. The 1MB, the one that looks like Batman, uh, login was an entirely different internal feature that allowed internal system devices to communicate. It was not an external login, nor was it accessible from outside of the product. The Batman internal sy uh, system device capability was also was not related to, nor was it a re replacement for Black Widow, which was the name of the other login. Uh, the only connection was the fact that our software update in December eliminated Black Widow and updated it to, to Batman. In terms of the names, those were lighthearted internal pro, uh, project names that our programmers used uh, with no intent or meaning. We take security very seriously and are continuously testing our own systems and capabilities and developing more sophisticated updates. End quote. All right. So there's Harmon's position. There's our testing and, and the security. That's where, we're, where we sit right here right now from all that we know. Um, a couple of issues that I've gotten, and we'll get you, get you guys' things. Uh, if this is true, uh, the the whole backdoor thing and the and the the login and the password, I get it. Programmers are geeks, right? They, they're they're going to name them silly things. Uh, I don't have an issue with that. Ars Technica probably does, but but you know whatever. They need to get a sense of humor. Um, it's a firmware update, okay? And God love them. Not just AMX, but every other manufacturer on the planet. You give me a firmware update for no particular reason, I'm probably not going to update it. Right? What's the old thing? You don't you don't update firmware on Friday because God help you, you're probably going to break something. Right? Um, the other thing is you're going to have a number of people who can't get back into their clients to update this software. We're talking about the freaking White House. It's not like I can call up Michelle Obama and say, "Hey, can I swing by for a second? I've got to update your." You can't do that. Right? 
Um, so those are my only two biggest concerns with with Harmon's statement. My concerns with with Ars Technica and the security company is, um, you know, they're, I, I think I think personally they're making a, a lot out of nothing, especially according to Harmon. The Batman one was not external. You could you could not get in from the outside. I don't know whether or not you could. I don't I don't have that product and, and can't verify one way or the other. All right. So there's where we are. Those are my statements. Mr. Tucker, we'll start with you. How big of a deal is this? Well, I guess it's all perception, isn't it? Uh, if you're really scared about any kind of backdoor entry into a system that's supposed to be secure, this is troublesome, especially when you don't know about it. Uh, the worst thing to fear is the thing that you do not know. And I think that's a lot of what's happening here. I mean, having worked for a manufacturer, there are lots of parts of those boards that probably have access for the engineers. So when they get them, they can diagnose them quickly and get internal information. Uh, are most of those accessible to the common person? No. And would you have to tap in directly? Yes. But we're talking about government agencies. We're talking about military knock centers for you know emergency services or in the light of some national emergency, right? So I think that's where the paranoia is coming from, fueled further by that there seemed to have been no real public response for people. Uh, when Ars Technica picked it up, you figure, okay, niche market. When I think Gizmodo mentioned it, it was on Reddit it, it very quickly. Uh, some friends sent it to me. Uh, but when CNN Money picks it up, it's because there's a natural fear with everything we know about the modern world and its dangers, right? Uh, so I think that's really where, where it's from. And it was just the not knowing. But as we'll probably cover, and I spoke with Dave Danto today, who, who couldn't actually make it to be with us to talk a little bit about this, but this is the common problem, the IoT stuff that I think even Melissa can talk about, where what are the back doors and what do we need to fear and how far do they go? If we don't know, we fear them. All right. So good good segue there, Melissa, from, from your standpoint. Um, as someone who works for a manufacturer, how big of a deal would this, would this be? Well, I think... Um... You know, obviously, I work in the technology side, so um, I have nothing to do with our products or or how they're manufactured. I'm clearly just education, but for me, um, I think that that this is very concerning. I think uh, Harman's probably or AMX probably um, they just got they got picked on, they got caught. Uh, I imagine that we'll find there are lots of backdoors and a lot of products out there, and that's the part that's the most alarming. I think the other thing that's alarming is notice how quickly we've jumped on the manufacturer and not the IT division. Nobody's talking about the lack of security within the IT network. It's look at the weakest point, which right now they're showing to be this product. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that with the introduction of IoT or IOE um, we are a pretty weak link overall because we're not talking about it. We're not educating people about it yet. We need to get on the bandwagon. We need to be aware of can our products be secure and how do we make them secure? Um, this is a great opportunity for our integrators, for, for the teams out there um, to offer another value added service to their, to their menu of offerings. But we've got to be educated. We've got to get better aware of how these devices are working on these networks. Let me ask you a question, and I'm asking this. It's not. I'll just ask it. You you said offered as as another service. Should that not already be baked in? 
and, and the reason I'm asking that is you've got um, and Melissa we'll start with you and then we'll go over to Don on this one you, you've got products and whether it's it's AMX whether it's Crestron Kramer I don't care Joe Bob's switcher if you find something or, or, or even if you don't find something shouldn't the, the integrators already be trying to lock down these networks as much as possible well, I, obviously, that's the end goal, but I, I don't know many integrators who are even thinking this way yet. Um, mm -hmm. There are a few I've talked to, but not many. You know, one of my uh, good friends brought up to me, even if I were to go in and um, let's say I manipulate an EDID table, that's nothing more than binary code. I could easily put in some sort of a backdoor or a virus through that binary code and leave myself an entrance into their network. Now, not saying that we're anyone's going to do that, but it's a possibility. Um, so I think we have to be very cautious, and I don't know that we're really paying attention to it. Yeah. We've kind of, uh, you know, all these smart TVs, they all have cameras in them. They're all connected to the Internet, voice recognition. They're great tools, but they could also be used against you. So I think it's something we need to pursue further. All right, Don, you're you're shaking your head as Melissa's chatting, so let's let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, the security of our devices is not something that the AV industry has traditionally been concerned with. I, it is definitely a major weak spot. The only ones that have really shown any concern, not even manufacturer-wise, but in general, are those of us that work primarily in the federal government space, and then it's normally specialty products. And the products that we do use have to go through this intensive process to government approved, get it, and there's about 10 other certifications, depending on which agency, branch, or, or, or um, outfit that you're looking to supply gear to. But they don't catch everything. And it takes very little nowadays to have a major security breach. Uh, I, I attended a panel last year sometime, and Joel Bilheimer, who used to work for Northrop mm -hmm. Grumman, I'm not he's with now, used to be a client of mine doing some government work. Now he's off as a consultant and he's sort of the expert at this point or one of them on security in our industry. He pointed out, do you remember the giant target hack that stole all those credit card numbers a couple years ago? They got in through an unsecured 232 port on the HVAC system. I'm, I mean, if, if people are getting in, you know, internet of things and, and smart buildings and everything else, which is something we'll talk about later, it, it, it we have to think about all of these little ports and all of these little protocols and all of these little things that we take for granted and we've always been off on our own island and realize this is a major vulnerability. And the few integrators and manufacturers for that matter out there that are talking about these vulnerabilities and that are taking action to fix them or at least to be aware of them. I mean, just being aware of it puts you that much higher in the buying chain than somebody that isn't. To our benefit sometimes since my company talks about that but it's a major problem that we need to have resolved and you know even if it's just a firmware thing and it has no impact on the actual operation no impact on anything else getting into government facilities as you said to do firmware changes are a massive deal i had a co-worker having to upgrade a, a polycom cisco somebody uh codec in a briefing room in the pentagon in a very top secret area and they were all cleared and the product was cleared, they couldn't put the firmware upgrade update in because you can't take a laptop in, you can't take a device in, and you can't take a thumb drive in. 
but the product no longer works without a firmware upgrade. So it basically came down to, can you tell the general that he's not going to talk to his troops? Or can I bring this thumb drive in after you clear it? You know, it's a very sticky area for those of us in the government sector. So we really need to be aware of this. And that brings up actually a really good point, is how does this happen? How do you, how do you get clearance like that? Um, because you're right, it, it's um, I, I've worked on jobs in the past where you're, the laptop had to be stripped down to nothing. You couldn't have, um, I, I think we were allowed to have a USB port on it, but that was only to talk to the devices directly. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no anything like that. You couldn't bring any, you, could, you couldn't have a camera in it, nothing. Um, you know, what is the process then? And I, I'm, this is more of a rhetorical question than anything. Uh, how, what's the process of getting that software? Because you're right. I mean, it, it could be anything. Um you could be putting on some sort of malware onto onto a system and they wouldn't they wouldn't know. So uh, give you a practical answer to some of that. You have to clear the individual and that's a long and arduous process. You clear the facility, uh, which not all integrators do or some of them do or they go through companies that are cleared. And then a lot of times the agency or, or the uh, military branch will provide their own laptops or provide their own technology and then it's a matter of trying to get that update secured or approved before you can put it on i mean mm-hmm. it can take a long time to to, to go through the process all right um as, as we wrap up here anybody want to say any um the exception of of good luck uh, to our friend john robinson and, and amx and and, and godspeed so well you know i think like i said i think that i don't think they're the only ones I think that we'll find there's more back doors. I think the most, uh, probably the most troubling thing about out of that article to me was the fact that it took them several months to respond. Other than that, you know, I'm impressed that their uh, engineering team has such a sense of humor. So um, I'm proud of them for that, but I think we'll find more. Yeah, that may be something that, that you know, AMX hasn't been uh, publicly traded for a long time. So that's one thing that uh, that they, you know, maybe not not used to yet is the fact that, because I think the one time that they were publicly traded and then they, they bought everything back and, and now they are with, with Armin. So, all right. Uh, moving on then. Um, from our friends over at AV Magazine, what Pro AV can learn from smart buildings. Uh, or smart building technologies in general. We're talking about backnet, and and uh, you know, Don mentioned the the HVAC systems, and you know th- this is talking about everything from lighting to um, su- to to harvesting to everything else like that. What can we learn from smart building technology? Uh, Don, from from where you guys sit, and, and NetAV does an awful lot of of networking uh, infrastructure. What exactly? Um, can we grab from what's already being done uh, to make to, for these whole building systems and start applying that to AV? I think the number one thing that we can take from this is realization, understanding that this is no longer our world and it's no longer the HVAC guy's world and it is no longer the lighting guy's world. It is the IT world. I mean, I know we're harping on a broken record here, but Convergence is in the, in the past, and all of the silos have broken down, and it now all belongs to AV, or I mean IT. There, yeah, there's an AV sub guy, and there's a lighting sub guy, and there's an environmental sub guy, but at the end of the day, we're all reporting to IT, and so we need to figure out how to get along with all of that, how to communicate our needs 
those folks in a way that they'll understand and respond and get back to the ports and protocols and, and, and being aware of security and the things that they're concerned about and letting them know what we're concerned about so that we can communicate in a more holistic fashion. And this isn't anything new. I mean, the article was dated, what, yesterday that you sent to us? But this was the topic of the Infocom 100 in 2011 that I had attended yeah. with guys from Johnson Control when I first learned about BACnet and, you know, all these crazy uh, things that at the time seemed futuristic sci-fi. It, it's here. It exists. And now people are like, oh, it's a new thing. No, it really isn't. And you should have been moving in this direction back then. So catch up if you're not there. All right, Mr. Tucker, from from where you're sitting, where do you, uh, where can we what can we glean from these guys? Well, I mean, I think there's much more to this as well, as Don aptly put. But the integration into the entire bio system, the the entire ecosystem, is really now what we have to look at. I mean, our AV dealers are working at HVAC. They are doing lighting. They need to understand how lights affect mood and atmosphere and energy usage and all of that stuff. Uh, we did a show on the Lightcast, another one of our shows here, uh, with JP and Megan, and they talked with the guys from Well Building about things that ranged from just daily usage to circadian uh, rhythms and right-to-light usage uh, systems. And, I mean, the metrics that they were going into were amazing. Uh, and that is going to be part and parcel to it. On the architectural side, to the, envise, the environment being noisy or not noisy, what do we do to either acoustically treat or even electronically, you know, quiet a place <laughs> in many ways or fill it. So we need to get our focus absolutely away from just the sticks or the speakers on a ceiling or speakers on a wall doing a, a theater because it's, it's way beyond that these days. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, not only from the education standpoint, but also manufacturing, what can you guys take away uh, from what Johnson Controls has been doing? Train actually has been doing quite a lot with integrating, um, trying to get beyond HVAC. So it's not just AV folks that are trying to do it. Kind of everybody's already trying to do, you know, get beyond themselves and, and, and be the one ring to rule them all, to, to use another uh, overused phrase, I think. Um, but what can you guys glean from, from what these other folks are doing? Well, you know, again, obviously Kramer and the manufacturer piece of it, um, I'm not real sure manufacturing-wise where they want to go with that. But um, from, the, from an education or a theory, my concern is going to be data management and, um, again, security. You know, I think all roads are going to take us right back to the security issues. Um, if you want to get into those uh, various areas, you need to make sure that you know how to keep them secure. And don't forget, all of those all of those systems are collecting a ton of data. So how are you protecting that data? And what is for the AV integrator? What is our liability with it? So um, Don probably knows about that. That you know, if I'm working in a high profile, high security area, right? and I have drawings to their facility, I have infrastructure, if I get hacked and lose that data, what's my liability? Um, and I think that's going to become more and more of an issue. It's obviously been a big issue for those working in sensitive environments. But as we move forward and we're into these whole buildings and we want to control, great. What is our liability there and how are we going to protect it? No, that's a good, that's a good point because what is our liability? And 
none of us are lawyers and I don't pretend to, to be one. So, uh, it, it would be, it, it would be I, I would, I would tend to think though that, you know, it, eventually it'll come down to, you know, somebody somewhere is, is going to have to make a case for, um, exactly what, um, what we're, what we needed to be concerned about. Obviously we need to be concerned with, with our, our customers data, right. Mm-hmm. And locking that down, uh, not just, you know, DOD stuff and, and, and DOJ stuff. You have to be concerned with it, whether it's a corporation or, or you know, the, the law office on the corner. You should still be careful with that stuff. Um, all righty. Um, as we wrap up here, I'm going to do one more. Actually, speaking of lawyers and, and legal stuff, um, from Quentin Birchall on uh, avnetwork.com, making the case for AV in legal sectors. And we're going to start with Miss Melissa here for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first of all, she has an awful lot of experience, uh, but so does her other half as well. So, uh, Doug, her, her husband's a, a pretty good consultant uh, in, in that space. So he's all right. He's all right. Uh, we like him. Uh, so here's the thing, Melissa, uh, in all seriousness. Um, this is something that's been kind of growing for the last few years. Our, our good friend Jennifer Willard, when she was with the, 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 the California courts, did a lot with, with, with that. Um, how do you get into this? How do you get into to AV in, in courtrooms, AV for, for, the, for the, the law firms? So, you know, this is really cool, and, and here in Atlanta, it's probably, um, we're a really great test bed. Um, one of the things is that um, if I can do depositions, if I can do pretrial remotely, I don't run the risk of transporting um, those who are accused. And if they're a high risk um, or someone who has done something, you know, particularly heinous, um, if I don't have to transport them and risk losing them, then all the better. However, you know, so doing that via video, awesome. Um, we had a big setback a few years ago, if you remember. There was a big trial going on, and the judge got hacked. And somebody got in and started typing stuff on top of her, uh, yes. her video display. So um, that was a, you know, that was an error and something easy to fix. We still, I still see some judges who are leery of it, but um, I'm hearing more and more that they're uh, they're looking at the cost savings too, of not having to transport and not taking those risks and and whatnot. So I'm seeing it done a whole lot more, which I think is really exciting. Um, but again, there's also that issue of keeping everything secure. So um, you have to deal with a couple of networks and how are you going to keep it secure? Those are concerns that come into play. So for our integrators, um, certainly the introduction of body cameras to the police force, mm. there's a great opportunity, not just with the hardware, but also with how do you capture and keep that. You know, that's a lot of data. So I think we have some good opportunities in this field and uh, more to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George, you know, uh, Melissa, you mentioned the the security part again. Um when you're when you're talking to clients and, and customers, how do you walk through that with them? You know, how do you walk w- without scaring you know without scaring the bejesus out of them? Um, how do you let them know here are some issues, but but here's how we're going to address them? Well, I think that's exactly what you do. Uh, you say, look, there are things that you need to be concerned about when doing this, and here are the things you do to protect yourself. And it's a relationship with the IT department. It's a relationship with those who are in charge or need to know about what the architecture's plus and minuses are. Uh, I think this is also a place where a dedicated 
sort of conferencing system is actually where the market will still bear that. It's not going to be the Google Pluses. It's not going to be Skype because, as Melissa pointed out, there were hacks in, in several court cases recently where somebody dialed in. They figured out the number and dialed in somehow uh, and tried to interrupt the proceedings. A dedicated system, very unlikely that happened. So it really is that relationship. Guys, what do we need to protect against? Here's how we work it together. Yeah, we'll come to loggerheads occasionally, but then we'll figure it out. But you need this because you don't want to transport. It's cheaper to do the video stuff from the jail. It's cheaper to get some witnesses who can't come in or have some kind of issue where they won't be able to. I mean, it's a really good market. I know several people who started doing it, everything from the transcribing to the documenting the case itself to to this, doing that, the, the teleconferencing version. It's, it's a great little market to have. Okay, so beyond that, though, I mean, it, 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 it's a good little market. So I, I guess the other thing I want to get in, like Melissa can answer this, or, or, or George or, or Don, either one. It, is there a difference between the, the law offices and, and dealing with the lawyers and the courts? Is it a different market, or is it the same market? Well, you know, there's a huge market right now. Um, where some some folks have gotten into where they bring in um, they go in and work for an attorney come in on a big trial and all they do is run the AV for that attorney um, I run into this quite a bit in my in my courts is being able to provide them with the way to uh, interface into the court system so there is a whole um, sector of that that's really pretty exciting now not that I want to be on my soapbox, Tim, but since I am, um, <laughs> let's go back to that security issue. I have to tell you, it's amazing how many secure places I go, and they whip out an Apple TV or some sort of device that you start to question, you know, just how secure. And I think that's really the the point to all of this is, you're only as secure as your weakest link. So. Mm. Um, being aware of what those items are, but I think there's a lot of great opportunities in this market space for sure. All right, Don, you're in the the epicenter of of government, about to get hit with three feet of snow, but still epicenter <laughs> of government. Um, yeah, how would you say um, somebody gets into this market and and, and serves it rather well? Well, there are a couple of different ways. Um, it's funny that if you brought this up. I, you know, I talked the last story about um, 2011's Infocom about the smart buildings, this is going back to my very first job in the AV industry. That company actually had a video production side and did video depositions on the regular. This is back in the late 1990s, early 2000s. And they went from doing video depositions to providing some integration services for different courtrooms and different law firms. So um, there is a way in if you do production or if you do VTC on the regular. That's definitely a way to get a toehold in. Um, another good way, my current company, we are re completing a job this week, provided we don't get buried, um, <laughs> for a big law firm in DC that we got through partnering with an IT company. Because again, more and more, if we wanna get our toe in the door on a lot of these projects, they're going through IT and that's where the entry is. Um, but then once we're in there, our expertise is invaluable for doing things like depositions, Melissa mentioned earlier, not having to transport the accused, even more important in a lot of cases, providing a voice for victims without subjecting them to 
especially in the case of small children or, or battered women or what have you, without subjecting them to the trauma of you're living it all in a courtroom and all this pressure and little kids, you know, freeze up. And I know it's the stuff of SVU, but it's reality. And that's the kind of thing that our video systems can allow them to do by providing video testimony via video conferencing. They can still be questioned by the attorneys, by the uh, judge, by whomever, without that adding that level of trauma. So it's a very important thing. And if you can get your foot in the door through VTC production or IT, you, you can make a difference. It's, it's about profit, of course, yeah. but it's also about helping people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. Big fan of that. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's going to do it uh, for this week. Uh, with us has been Mr. George Tucker uh, from World Stage. Sir, how can people find you? Uh, I am I am Tucker Twos on almost all social media platforms. You can find me there. I write for Commercial Integrator, Tech Decision Magazine, and Prince, and a host of others. So. That's it? That was quick. <laughs> You're easy. Huh? Uh, Melissa Dillman uh, from uh, Kramer. Thank you, ma'am. How can people find you? Hey, you can always find me at mdillman at kramerus.com, and I want to make sure that we let everyone know. Um, please come join me in Atlanta for my first CTS prep course, a three-day course, getting you ready. Hopefully Yay. they have taken past your CTS exam. It'll be the first one I've done in a while, so uh, hopefully some folks will come join me. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of, of CTS exams, real quickly, uh, our buddy uh, Big Nate passed his CTSD test oh, yes. uh, today posted on, on Twitter, so congratulations to him. So, uh, All right, and last but not least, Miss Dawn Mead, uh, A.V. Dawn. Thank you, ma'am. My pleasure. And how can As people you find you? you? find me at A.V. Dawn on Twitter, at A.V. Dawn on, like George said, almost all the social networks. Um, and here, of course, on A.V. with blogs and the A.V. Social Podcast. Kelly and I have one in the can and one we're about to shoot, so content coming on the social and marketing front keep an eye out for that and uh if you want to talk government or you want to talk security or you want to talk dc integration uh net-av.com is where i get my paycheck very good good deal all right uh my name is tim albright don't follow me but go by the website if you would please avnation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this program and a host of others um, I've gotten a couple of, of, of instant messages here real quickly as people asking us to post this episode rather toot sweet, so that's what we'll do. Uh, I'll have it up this afternoon, uh, including AMX's response that you can you can take a look at. Um, and, and go by the website. Uh, lots of great people help us out. Uh, Don, George, Melissa, um, our underwriters help us out, so, so stop by there and, and say thank you. Kramer is, is one of those. And I talked to Clint this morning about... Their, their ISC booth. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. Uh, also, uh, take a look and, and get ready for next week. We're going to be releasing all of our AMX, or not all of our AMX, good Lord, our AMX on the brain, all of our ISC uh, plans uh, next week. So take a look at that. A, uh, go by the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. It's time for me to go home. Thanks so much for listening. That's all we ha- all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>